Episode 60 of the Driveline R&D Podcast, live episode from the office. Today we talked about completing this year's spring and summer hiring and what things we look for in potential candidates. We also dive into our predicted fastball velocity and bat speed models and address the rumors of a new MLB baseball in 2021. We also have some big news. We're going to take a short break from recording episodes for just a few weeks, but hope to be back sometime before the beginning of June. Unless we get 10 uses of our discount code, podcast all undercase, for driveline coaches certifications at edu.drivelinebaseball.com, and we'll be back next week with more nonsense. We talk about why we were taking a break in the beginning of the episode and are really excited to get things back up and running during the summer. We even have a fun series planned out to start recording then. Hope you enjoy. Go. Drill R&D Podcast, episode 60. This is Alex Caravan, Drill on Baseball Manager of Data Science. Uh, I think Brady just banged his knee against the table. He's so excited for our uh, 60th episode. Drinking, drinking no booze right now, but it's an important episode uh, because we'll be talking about a special break. So I will... Pop a couple supplements on air, <laughs> vitamin D3, but you know, I wanted to hit me hard, so I'm just going to go ahead and parachute this. No. Oh. <laughs> what? Lindley? <laughs> what is the point of parachuting? Kyle Lindley? It's your bloodstream faster. Assistant manager I think you just science? ate paper is all you did there. <laughs> nah, dude, I parachuted it. <laughs> um, drinking, drinking a Nalgene. Where's the Nalgene water? Oh, with a new, um, new sticker on it, Driveline Edge. Very nice. Now I'm Anthony Brady, manager of sports science, driveline baseball. Uh, my goodness. Primary host. First and foremost. Primary host. Always have been. Maybe I'm not still always the will be, but I'm primary still, host of the Driveline Research and Drinks podcast. I'm still the reigning champ on a number of uh, episodes. So. This is true. I think I'm 59 out of 60. With Caravan's 59 Aren't out of 68? 60. I thought you missed two. I think you missed two. Oh, the Kyle Lindley yeah. interview, and then there was one. It's honestly even more impressive when you think of it like that, that I've missed two episodes and I'm still the primary host. I, I, missed, I missed that one when I was... Uh, I could be the primary host if I just started talking about it too. I mean, you have to get Mikey's approval. I think oh, that's, that's, that's the deciding yeah, factor. You say, right? you say Mikey? Yeah. You call, you call Dirty Mike Rathole Mikey? No, your friend Mikey. He was the one that originally <laughs> called out the primary host. What are you talking First about? First and foremost, uh, how Welcome does to the audio sound today? Yeah, audio should sound <laughs> good. As you, can, setup, baby. as you can tell, well, <laughs> for those of you listening, you can tell. Maybe you can tell by the audio quality being nice, but those watching on video, we have a mess of cables because we're... It's not a mess. We it's waited until the 60th episode to we'll have an actual in. audio... <laughs> set up uh for recording so yeah research and drinks podcast just want to bet yo this episode D3 is 60 hard right now though yeah. <laughs> thinking about parachuting the second one too unbelievable uh, just want to bet this uh get free matador nachos from these two okay but explain That's explain fine. the bet though because it's relevant to the podcast but don't say the actual numbers we said an over under this is actually no yeah this is really good this is really good because i don't think we've actually said it on air um we finally got a couple months ago. Finally got a uh, discount code for the podcast, all all undercase podcast at checkout edu.driveonbaseball.com. If you want a driveline baseball coach certification, and it's been used, a discount. More. To be clear, you, a discount. You don't get the certification. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. Ten percent discount. Me. 
for, yeah. For, for Venmo. Similar, similar, but more official uh, than, to what we did with the assessment in Arizona. Ten um, percent discount. They had a bet, or we had a bet. I thought that the uh, the code has been used more. Than, you took over. You took over. Yeah. Then uh, we're not going to talk about the over under number we set. Yeah. yeah. But when we took over, Brian I was I the took only, under. And let's just let's just be clear that I was the only one here that had any confidence uh, in us. So critical by nature. So thanks for using our code, guys. Yeah. Was, yes. Thank you. Thanks for the nachos. Users out there, folks. But yeah, I mean, do you, you guys want to talk about oh, kind of the uh, what? great, great common idea? Mason McRae, y'all got to get Sim as your guest on episode 69. I think we could line that up. Oh, we can definitely line absolutely. that up. Absolutely. That'd be perfect. Yeah. Or we never actually, mo-capped him, we could, dude. I th- I, well, I was trying to think of other ones on the spot, but like high profile episode numbers like that, we could, we could auction it off. Highest bidder. Who wants to be the guest okay, on this? We, we, just because just, just we took the, we got the over on over okay. under. I don't know if people are going to be paying oh. to get on this podcast. And we'll, and we'll get, we'll get Sim. Else? Sim will win the auction and we'll be the ones paying. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one will bid. So. Yeah. We'll offer him like what are the odds we get Bauer? five bucks. Bauer for episode 69. Yeah, I mean, we could. Um, True. Al- almost, almost too cliche. But I'm, I mean, I'm, I, I am down to still log the Bauer episode at some point. Yeah, I am as well. Very down, but very down. Sixty nine might might be a little bit uh, down the road because we were just talking internally about taking a short break from the podcast, talking maybe a couple weeks, uh, potentially stretching into a month. We're not we're not totally sure yet, but gonna be I'm gonna be traveling a little bit over the next couple of weeks, and we have like twelve new people joining R and D in the next like yeah. month. So we're just thinking it's just gonna be such a strap. For, for all of us now that we have managerial responsibilities and are just going to have to deal with so much, even if we didn't have managerial responsibilities, we're just going to have to deal with so much onboarding, people coming on, all this stuff. But to go along with that, we think one of the really cool ideas that we have when we come back to um, back to filming regularly is going to involve all the new interns. We're going to do a kind of like, you know, Traveline Summer R&D intern series. Details to come, but yeah. at the very least, uh, the next two weeks we're going to be taken off. Yeah. We could also do it at the, at the end of the, or like internship, um, season or whatever, or like whenever the projects are up, we could like kind of summarize projects and, and highlight them on the, on the pod. Yeah. yeah. Down the road. Yeah. 60 episodes, uh, you know, from the outset, that was the number we were like, let's get to 60 and then let's reevaluate, <laughs> uh, there. No, I mean, I definitely, I don't know. Did either of you think that we would go, 260 episodes yeah uh honestly yeah really yeah, yeah as well just because i figured i figured if it didn't once die, we got once we got started i had a feeling but at first after the first couple i was honestly like well because originally we didn't do the live thing so we didn't really have the scheduled constraint of we have to get it done yeah we were recording it editing it and uploading it and when we were in that period i was like if we don't figure out a more efficient system, there's just no way. Yeah. Honestly, selfishly, uh, uh, or not, I don't know if you, I don't know if selfishly is the right term, but, but I thought I had the least amount of confidence of us continuing to churn out episodes, probably after the episode where Kira and I just chugged a bunch of beers because <laughs> you guys were pissed at me. And then, and then I was just like in the middle of a bunch of things. So I was like pissed that you guys were pissed. I was like, what the fuck? And, and, and also, uh, also like I was like, you know, stri- I was like scrapping so hard to get the podcast in when I, when I was when I was walking. Oh, so yeah. I was like, 
the, the, I don't know. This, this stuff's hard. Um, we got to get on the same point or same like you know. And then, and then we came back and then we started having like a lot of success with like yeah. a bunch yeah, of I was like, about to say, guest like... episodes. So so I think that like lined up really well. With, like okay, now now I can like pull my weight a little bit. Yeah, we're, we're chilling. Honestly, transitioning to live and also COVID forcing us into doing it remote through Zoom definitely made the production of it easier yeah. at, at first. Yeah, once um, you guys set up. Definitely not ideal. Like this, this setup is way better. Yeah. But it was just way easier to like turn out uh, an episode, I think. So it, like it, sneaky it, like, COVID was like yeah. had a good time. That's the other thing too is like I feel like the majority of our listeners assume that the podcast was started because of COVID and we didn't have stuff. We were, we were before that way. Yeah. Yeah. We oh. did it when it was cool. Also, also, I feel like the majority of our listeners think we uh, prep more for these episodes yeah. than we do. Yeah. Occasional ones, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll we'll send like questions to guests and stuff, and and just be like, make sure like the the right like the right gist of the questions is like appropriate or like nothing's on, nothing on there is like something you don't want to talk about. Yeah. But I mean, I'll say for this episode, this episode probably has like four total minutes of prep. <laughs> I mean, I at least spent 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah, no, but, but, but I meant, yeah, yeah, and, which was all, all, all live. But yeah, when yeah. we're doing like, when we're doing live episodes over Zoom, we have like a ceiling on how mm -hmm. much time we can potentially sink into it. So the quality is always never going to be like 10 out of 10. But also we make sure we don't like get in like a perfectionist time suck and be like, okay, yeah. we got this shit dialed. Spent eight hours on it though. The rest of our weeks are fucked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do think we've done a pretty good job with, um, you know, resources available to us. yeah coming up with like something that's yeah. and, and to good be clear enough. to be clear I, I feel like we're being too negative nobody's told us like yo y'all y'all better shut it down no yeah like i mean i definitely want to jesus christ keep oh, keep <laughs> keep doing the podcast uh and definitely want to want to bring it back um it is kind of a good time to take a break maybe like change some things up uh improve some structure especially since we're going to be able to do it more uh in person yeah going forward as opposed to all these like zoom setups and stuff and also um yeah just have like better content and stuff put together for everyone the the intern thing is a large large part of it too uh we're just bringing on so many people and I don't want to be, I think I mentioned it in the message. Like I don't want to be recording the podcast or thinking about the podcast when we have a, a group of interns yeah. that have questions or are blocked on things, need training, whatever. And we're just like, just hold on. We got to go do this. <laughs> yeah, we got to go drink a beer. We, we got to go drink a beer. Yeah. Yeah. Especially all like, of us since we have like, you know, multiple interns, uh, matter so Dude, we have 12 interns coming i know <laughs> just gonna be like all three of us are black for two hours on, yeah. a, on a monday <laughs> yeah. sorry dude yeah mondays yeah. monday and tuesdays are packed. it's gonna be awesome though i mean I'm, I'm super excited the projects and stuff which is i think is gonna go well like the things that we're gonna be able to start to do because now we can just delegate and increase the bandwidth project wise um the stuff that we're gonna be able to to pump out is gonna be sick I'm, 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 I'm jealous. I'm it. jealous of a lot of interns coming on. Like, I think this is something, um, I mean, you, you, you're probably gonna have to deal with this if you haven't already in the, in the coming months. But one of the, I think just like something you realize as you shift your responsibilities is like prioritizing other people's time and projects before your own, because especially when interns come in or even people aren't interns, just like 
work more directly on like projects that you're managing or in your wing. It's like, you know, I, I have, I have deep work on projects that I want to do myself and prioritize and plenty of times that gets pushed because I can't just ignore questions of, for people that are blocked yeah. or waiting on me or, or need my help. I can't just be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just yeah. like, I mean, I, I, I can occasionally I will, but I'm saying as, as a rule of thumb, if I have like three DMs from people asking questions that I can answer or I can answer the best and unblock them, it, it's, it's like selfish of me to like delay that just to yeah. just to like push the change on a project that mm -hmm. I'm working on. Uh, unless that project is like really critical and time sensitive, in which yep. case I will do that. But like, you know, with the interns coming on and stuff, like I, I can already anticipate multiple days where it'll just be like, okay, I was planning on doing this, but you know what? The onboarding materials weren't good enough. So I'd have to sit down yeah. and talk to like four interns. Because if, if I, we don't onboard them, they're not doing anything. It's just 100%. a waste of their time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Also jealous of the new interns today. Actually, we have the trust getting installed. The structure oh, yeah. in the motion capture lab that's gonna hold all the cameras and and uh, I guess just cameras, edutronics and, and motion capture cameras. So that's really exciting. Yeah, but happening a lot faster uh, than I was originally expecting. So I'm jealous just from the perspective of like the the databases that they'll yeah. have access to because we were always in the process of yeah. of building up the data set and that it's like day one they show up and we just give them the keys. Also figuring out what's gonna go start querying. Yeah, that stuff too. I mean, we've uh, just cleaned things up so much. Um, documentation and resources is more centralized than it has been. It's not as centralized as it could or needs to be, but it's definitely better than it was in the yeah. past. I mean, yeah. when we were, like in 2017, everything was just in a single Google Drive folder. And it was all over the place. And then when, when I came back in 2018, it was way worse. Yeah. Like it was just like that so, thing. And it just got like infinitely more messy and, and confusing. And then it was like, okay, we're also going to store some of it in Basecamp and all these docs and files. So German box. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's stuff everywhere, but now, now it's not as bad. Do, 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 do you, do you want to kind of, I don't know if we were waiting to do this segment at the end, but just because we're talking about the podcast and interns, do you want to start off talking about the hiring? Uh, oh, like a hiring yeah. Recap? Yeah, I mean, that was another reason. Uh, I guess that's also kind of a reason for the break, too, is one of the purposes of the podcast. Because it first came up February spring planning of 2020. Is that right? The podcast? Yeah, yeah. Because we were, we, were we were at the hotel place doing the in-person sprint planning, and we were talking about R&D having some sort of KPI or doing some kind of like content thing. We were talking about like blogs, and then we were like, we should just do a podcast where R&D talks about what we did. That's, that's when it came up. We, we filmed it. We filmed the first episode in January. Okay, so then maybe it was January sprint. Yeah. yeah. And the reason I remember it is just because I was single trying to pick it oh, up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. promptly didn't, went to not being single. Yeah. So, so in January, we were planning it out. And then um, when we like put out the trailer and then put out the episode, I remember Mike asking, like, what's the like, plan for the podcast? And hiring exposure was a, was a like, yeah. decent part of it. You know, like expose who we are, what we do, because there isn't really that much content around us. Um, and then potentially increase the applicant pool, which is now closed for spring and summer in R&D. Yeah. Like we now have all our yeah. interns lined up. We've uh, offer letters have been sent out and accepted. We've got the 
staff that we're going to bring in. So the podcast, um, I mean, it if it did help, <laughs> it, regardless, it, it of reached bias. it reached almost all the candidates we talked to. Yeah, like we yeah. like a lot of people brought it up. Yeah. To be to be fair though, we also were talking just before the podcast. We would need to do like a control group for for max scientific efficacy. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I don't know. You, you guys tell. I mean, we can ask the interns. They, like, they already have the job. They already have the offer. Let's ask them day one. And be like, listen, y'all actually like the podcast, or are you yeah, just, yeah. blowing smoke <laughs> up our ass? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, I mean, on my side, I sent out the majority of just final rejection emails and stuff, and a lot of people are asking, you know, generally. What what separated me? Where was I at? What do I need to do? Kind of a thing. So I figured we'd just talk about um, stuff. I guess that you didn't expect early on in the application uh, that did stick out, and then any other things. Also, I mean, was there anything that was really damning that was like an automatic nope outside of the classic? If you pasted the C drive for your resume, it was just like an immediate nope. But we only had a couple of those in sports science. I think I had like four. I'll, 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 I'll talk honestly. There, there's automatic notes for me. There's automatic notes for me. Um, for other stuff? Like not yeah. just like the seed drive thing? I'll, I'll, I'll explain in a second what, what they are because I, I've gone through two. Not addressing you as sir. Uh, I, I've gone through two major hiring processes. One last fall when we kind of opened up our budget right after. Uh, or I mean, right after we kind of opened our bread gym uh, temporarily during COVID and then another one just now. And this time I hired around six people. Last time I hired around four people. And going into the last one, the, 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 the quality of the pool was, was high. This time it was much higher, but the quality of the pool was high last time as well. But last time we, we made some changes between the application forms. This, yeah. One of the big ones, and I mentioned this in past, past episodes, is I threw like a one of five criteria for a few coding languages and like oh, made funny. more of an emphasis for them to like send either code or independent projects or something. Um, I'll say right now, if, if, I, if, I, if I would look through an application, especially in the past when like, you know, one of the questions would be like, what, what coding languages do you guys have experience with? And some people would be like, you know, a little bit of R which doesn't tell me a lot, uh, but it makes me think that they're not like very proficient. And now like putting a one of five criteria, if people are putting, if, if people are putting ones and twos on all the languages and don't have an absolute like insane resume, like, I don't know, like 17 and has written multiple sabermetric pieces or maybe spent, was a 10 year MLB vet and mm -hmm. is just now getting like, like some, some, some like unique case, if you can't code at all, I'm I'm sorry it's a no for me. Yeah, I understand that you like like I understand. I've seen a bunch of responses like I, I have a really I have a really strong work ethic. Um, I'm, I'm like learning how to code. I'm learning how to code. I'm gonna if great learn how to code, then apply for the next cycle and submit your code. Like there's you just can't walk on day zero and bank off the best work ethic in the world. If that was the case, yeah. then again, take the time to learn how to code, then come back. We'd be if bringing you, you on yeah. as an intern to learn the yeah. coding language. If, if, you, if you can't code at all, it, it, that's an automatic no for me. Yeah. Again, unless there's a very, very unique case. Automatic no, it does um, coding include any like super, super proficiency in like Excel or something that's like not necessarily code, but it's like still has a lot of tools and very powerful. Like what if they 
just like built, built, like built a, something. Built like a crazy like macro. Yeah, like, yeah, Excel macro. Maybe again, like I'd want to, I'd want to say no without seeing the. But but even in that case, great, you build out a super elaborate macro Excel uh, workbook. Do you propose like the rest of the R and D department switches to that so we can we can collaborate? Because then yeah. then we can't collaborate with mm -hmm. you. Yeah, we, we all, all you'll do is work on stuff that's not sustainable. And you have to like spend like a ton of time documenting or building like workarounds for or for someone to walk in. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we're cool with R. We're cool with Python as a major scripting language. Both are very open source. Both have tons of coders. If you want to work more on the software development side, maybe maybe like PHP, JavaScript. There, there's there's a couple. You know, if you're a really proficient MATLAB coder, I would, and you have like an awesome resume, I would probably be interested banking on you translating MATLAB skills to R because I think that's doable. Yeah. But again, if 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 you've gone X amount of years being super passionate about baseball, wanting to work in analytics, and you and you can't code, then then there's got to be just just yeah. come back when you can. If you think you can, you can pick up that skill. Yeah, coding wasn't like a, definitely not a necessity on the sports science side, but I mean, ha not having any uh, for the biomechanics specific roles, not having any experience in a lab or ever using a system was, I mean, that was kind of tough. It was basically like an automatic no, except for the summer sports science internship, you could get away with not having a biomechanics background yeah. or any experience. But if you'd, if you'd never worked in a lab or at least like, I guess even lower than that is understanding of anat and phys, just base level biomechanics 101, physics and math stuff. Um, so if you're, you didn't have an undergrad in some kind of kinesiology, exercise science, you know, I mean, it was, it would be pretty tough. There were for the sports science side, there were quite a few athletes or former athletes, former trainees, um, people that applied for it that, you know, maybe their degree was in communications or business or something. And they mentioned how they really want to get into biomechanics or really want to get into it. And. I mean, biomechanics is such like a high level field underneath it. You just have math, physics, mm, kinesiology, anatomy, and phys, all that stuff matters going into it. So you can't just skip it, it's way too high of a, you know, that foundational knowledge. If, if you didn't have uh, that, it was kind of like a, an auto no. It's also, it's also really tough to, uh, uh, what was, was really competitive and they were like, noticed a lot of people who just like COVID and school being shut down and going remote, like lost out on their opportunity in the academic setting to For get sure. that hands on, oh, yeah. hands on, um, experience, which is really tough and like unfortunate, but like there were just, uh, there's, there's a lot of people who, who it either had it before that or, um, in some way we're, we're still like making yeah. use of older data or whatever, whatever that might be. Yeah, the other the other one that was kind of an automatic no was for the uh, research question part of mm -hmm. the application, where it's like basically listed out all of the technologies that we have access to, the resources, athletes, et cetera, and was like, okay, design a research study uh, or an investigation and state, you know, like purpose, hypothesis, and proposed methodology. And I, I mentioned in there you can be as brief or, you know, as verbose as you want kind of a thing um if i could tell you spent between two and five minutes and wrote like two sentences it was just like no you know yeah. like 
we needed pretty uh, robust ideas. I mean, the the, appli- the applicants that did get internships submitted like very well thought out. And then during the interview process, when talking back and forth, you could tell by the way that they adjusted methodology or thought of things on the fly that they'd had at yeah. least considered um, the research proposal or investigation like pretty, you know, pretty well. Yeah. That was my initial two minute review. I mean, you, you, when I go through applications, I'll give it, I'll, I'll give it like a quick skim. I'll, I'll give most a quick skim and kind of like catalog them in a bucket and then look yeah. back on people in certain buckets. But my like very quick look through an application is I grab the resume, throw it on a, throw it on a link. Like, like, you know, ideally I'm looking at a couple monitors, throw it on a monitor, yeah. scroll down to independent projects, hope for a couple links. Uh, like if, if you just talk about your independent projects, like we, we ask for links, links to GitHub, oh, yeah. links to papers. Yep. Like if, if you have links in there, PDFs, that helps your case a anything. bunch because obviously it gives me something concrete. Yeah. And especially if we're, like I said, if we're talking about code, show me some code, show me yeah. some GitHub code. Um, and so I, so I throw that on, on a, throw any links on a separate tab and then research question. Yeah, just look yeah. at that. Like I said, my, that's my, I mean, I'll glance at the coding, like, uh, uh, like, you know, self, self entries, but that's my, very quick, like skim through to get an idea of where someone is. And, yeah. and that, that worked for a good amount of people. I had one or two people that I like looked back after cataloging them in the buckets and shifted them. Yeah. Uh, but, but for the most part, like that quick method, uh, I think gave a pretty good idea of where applicants were in terms of quality. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And the, I mean, it's actually interesting too, cause the, I feel like in the application, the first couple of questions typically were the longest yeah. as opposed to the yeah. end ones, right? When in reality, I was looking for the most amount of information at the end of the application in the research question, whereas a lot of people would write a couple paragraphs answering the, why do you want to work at driveline question, which was a lot of the same. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I definitely wanted to hear more in terms of like research question methodology. How do you think through things? Like, how do you approach solving a problem? Why does it interest you? Not, I'm a really hard worker. I've followed driveline for a long time and this is where I want to be. I mean, that stuff is obviously valuable, but there's really nothing in there that was setting anyone apart. Everyone was saying largely the same stuff. There. I was going to say for that question, the gap is small between a good and great answer. You can, you yeah. can give, if you answer, I'm extremely passionate about, you know, setting up independent studies with high level athletes in an R and D lab that also has six tracking technologies in the gym. Sweet. That's a good yeah. reason. You know, exactly, that's, that's a yeah. good reason. Yeah. So, yeah. A hundred percent agreed. Yeah. And even like the bad candidates said that, like there was just no yeah. delineation, uh, between them, but yeah, I thought that was a big one. Um, Lab experience, publications. Uh, I mean, papers were pretty big. If uh, you had like first authorship on papers, just to see what kind of stuff. It was kind of I mean, tough. We, we, know, we know first authorship isn't always representative though. Yeah. We know but first authorship isn't representative. It, it's kind of tough because a lot of the first authorship and publication things, um, you can just tell when a paper is through your school's lab yeah. or the institution. Because nowhere in your background or application are you talking about how this thing really interests you. And then you have this paper that you're a first author on that is just like yeah. some weird field. It's like, okay, this just must be what their lab did and he did it, did it for a project kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So. Which, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. 
uh, yeah. either. Like it still can be valuable. I think one yeah. of the one of the most exciting things for me to read and like talk to people about is people with slightly different like backgrounds outside of baseball, maybe, and they've thought they've already thought critically about how they can apply what they know in their field that might be a little bit different from what we know and what we typically think is important in baseball yeah. and apply it to something that might be applicable even if it doesn't end up like being a super like reasonable maybe it doesn't end up panning out into like a long-term project like just that act of trying to take like i, I value diverse perspectives and i think that it's really important for like us to push push the yeah the industry like forward um so like seeing somebody who's actively done that already is is uh really important yeah. and really excites me i mean it might sound it might sound bad but if i could like it was almost a a, a turn off at times in the application if there you could tell there was like tons of driveline fandom you know, um, like I was almost looking for, which, I mean, one of the points I put down here, uh, I thought one of the most fire things for an application was critiquing our work yep. and showing how a blog, a paper, a study, whatever, you would have done something differently, how you would approach it. Like that is by far the most attractive thing uh, I saw in any application. And the opposite side of that was kind of what I was talking about seeing an application where it's like, oh, these people, or the, this person is super into driveline, has read all our stuff, you know, talks about it all the time, is big in it. I mean, along what you were saying, like the multidisciplinary approach, someone outside of baseball wants someone to come in and kind of, you know, be able to be critical of what we're doing, not just like, oh, they have it figured out. It's obviously yeah. the best yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's one of the things we had in our questionnaire. Like, uh, if if people, you know, pass the kind of application screen, they would get a questionnaire. And one of the questions was choose a public blog piece from a couple sites, including our own, to critique and one to like uphold or like one that you that you really like. Um, and yeah, I mean, one of our one of our new interns that just started last week, yeah. Jack Remmels in, in sports science, um, who's a fucking gorilla, <laughs> ex pro football player. Shout out Rumbles. Um, but yeah, also drinking gorilla juice at Rubens last yeah, week. Yeah, true. But yeah, I mean I mean he initially applied actually to analytics and then I pushed him to sports science, but for for the critique and like uphold, he actually won of both of our uh statistical par parametric mapping blogs, which is yeah. really cool. Um no, the last thing I was gonna say on it or before uh we move we sorry, my bad. <laughs> before we move on to the headphones. The headphones don't. Work. I know, I know. Same, same. Um, no, I, I think that's a really important point in terms of because I, I mean I think we we all agreed like what some of the best employees at Driveline are ones that especially when they come in ones that can like not only execute on projects that are laid out but also come up with ideas yes. that we don't because I think it's like I, I think I mean some traditional workplaces. The manager, it's like, okay, yeah, no, I'm the manager. I come up with ideas. And yeah, you know, people are managers because they have more experience. They can help unblock certain things. They have more perspective, whatever. But it is, in my mind, it is so ridiculous to think that like a yep. manager can be coming up with better ideas for each of the 20 projects they're managing across like yep. five, six plus employees than each of those individual employees that focus like, a large proportion of our time in our project, yeah. you know, like I, I want someone to like, 
okay, maybe run some of the things I laid out initially, but be like, hey, we should actually do this because of this. I thought about this. Like, oh, that's awesome. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll give perspective and feedback, and sometimes maybe it won't be a, a, a guaranteed great idea, but like them thinking critically and building on on what like I laid out or what else someone laid out is is one of the most valuable trades in my opinion. Yeah. That I think I literally said that to to you just mm. just over the weekend. We were talking about uh project planning and stuff for summer about how like some of the probably the majority of the best ideas or projects that have come out of R and D weren't planned yeah like weren't planned or delegated or given to you by a manager it was kind of just like you're doing stuff you see something oh could probably do that better let's try this thing a few months later we have you know whatever it is right so um i think that is that's a huge piece the the last the last bullet for um intern and hiring stuff during the interview process was, at least on our end, was just ability to communicate. Like we had to be able to, to talk. I had to get a sense of, can you collaborate on a project? Um, not only can you communicate technically with me and other sports scientists and biomechanists, but can you communicate from a simple perspective, the complex and technical, distill it down into being able to communicate with coaches, players, athletes, you know, all, yeah. all levels and ages. I don't know if uh, you guys like weight that as heavily. Definitely not as heavily. Side. Definitely not as heavily, I don't think. Um, but we do weight it. And I think it's almost, besides just personality fit, I think one of the most valuable parts of it is just exposing yourself to that critical feedback. Because I, I think, especially yeah. on the analytics side, it's easy, especially when you're not super experienced, to kind of sit there and, and, and build some models, build like a black box uh, thing that you use, and then you like validate it yourself without any feedback, and you push something out there. But like, have you ever given feedback directly to an athlete? Have you given feedback directly to a coach to implement to an athlete? Yep. Has anybody like given you feedback on, on any part of it, and then you've like addressed that feedback and then had that like back and forth? Because I yeah. think like being able to do that, not only like, builds you as a better analyst or critical thinker or whatever it also like gives you perspective on, on all the things that you like might not realize you're just learning you're just yeah. learning because there's no clearly there's always going to be like critical feedback but without actually having gone through it yourself in in like a, a practical application i think people can kind of discount just how just how like easy it is to be like too nuanced or like okay great right. you built that what's the next step yeah no that that's actually kind of too uh during the interview i ask a question um damn i don't know if i want to like give it away well i guess people can in the future yeah it's not really giving it away too but i i talk about like okay in sports science and, and let's just say for the sake of research and biomechanics there's like two tracks you have the research heavy track and then the applied heavy track research is obviously more experiments, observations, you know, non-invasive, and then applied is more on the coaching, interacting directly with people, trying to like have actionable change in the setting, you know? So like observer yeah. versus, you know, someone who's actually like applied um, and invasive. And I kind of ask people where they think they are uh, on the spectrum in terms of interests. And we actually got a really good balance across the board, but I, I I just kind of like talk 
into devil's advocating both sides and I want to get their thoughts of how they look at things. Like, do they, do they value um, research while also understanding that if you don't make it actionable and applied, it doesn't really matter here, especially for what we're doing. Because like with athlete results and athlete experience being the utmost priority, it doesn't matter if we investigate and understand and find the best like stuff we can on the research side. If we don't then figure out a way to deploy it to the floor, communicate it to athletes, communicate it to coaches, et cetera. Yeah. I, think that, I think that's something that's like pretty standard across the industry, the sports science industry, and just like the sports analytics as well. Whether it's like driving like baseball or you want to try to get a job for like an MLB organization or in the NBA or whatever. And I imagine it's like that in other like non-sports industries as well. But you just like, it requires you being able to communicate with people of different expertise and like, it's just one of the m most important, like somebody who maybe doesn't find uh, something like the most novel, but they're able to explain it in a novel yeah. way or in a way that can be applied easier is uh, probably more valuable to some, whatever institution organization than somebody who like finds the mo most novel thing, most useful, but like can't actually yeah. disseminate it. Especially with us, since okay. we like the sector that we work in and a lot of people that we were interviewing coming from university backgrounds mm -hmm. where their end step of a project is publication yeah. yeah not okay now what do we do with the publication do we go back to the subjects that were part of that data collection and talk to them about here's why your gait pattern is bad for like hip loading or something like that you yeah. know they just don't like and in the in the university setting it's like publication done whereas here it needs to be publication now how do we do it on the floor not to mention the publications in the academic setting are like by nature on purpose more technical and right. harder to read which yeah. is like another whole like separate problem but yeah. it's like literally forcing you into like the opposite direction the less yeah. applied direction yeah so i was just trying to get a feel for do you know in your mind is novel insight and publication the end step and if so i was like i mean you know we have to understand that you know Yes, pushing uh, the limits of that is definitely uh, important in terms of what we understand research-wise, investigation-wise, but you also just got to know how do we turn this into something that makes athletes better uh, out there. So We should just title this episode, How to Get a Job yeah, at Driveline Baseball yeah, in 2022. <laughs> and I feel like, I mean, I mean, we've logged 60 episodes, so it's, it's hard to tell, but I feel like We've had a, a pseudo combo like this at least three other times. Yeah. To, but, but honestly, it's probably the most in-depth and, and, oh, and coming sure. off the most uh, long, drawn-out interview process for both our departments, too. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think you guys were uh, as... Or did you guys even... Did you guys hire sports science interns uh, last fall? No. Yeah. One. But like, there wasn't a hiring process. I guess technically two. Yeah. But yeah, just one. It well, was, or at um, least... At least like, oh, but we weren't a part of it. Yeah, Joe, yeah, yeah, Joe yeah. brought on uh, yeah, yeah. Rebecca, and then Ben was kind of a... You just got in on the HP side, so yeah. Because I'm, I mean, I'm sure I was talking about it like before, during, and after like hooks episode and stuff. Because that that was like uh, yeah, yeah, one of the first people I hired. Yep, yeah. And that's a wrap for hiring. What what do we got next? I don't know. What do we have pre next? Pre uh, force plate stuff. Yeah, we, we we talk about we we actually should have this blog coming out pretty soon. I think this week. Um, but. I don't talk about it as much, 
the but I think we have some really cool stuff coming from the HP side of research. And actually, I might talk about it a decent amount. I think as a company, we might not talk about it a ton, but oh, yeah. We, we yeah we've been doing Forstex data for the last year, which has out a bunch of cool metrics. Forstex uh, are, are a like a uh, type of force plate or a company. That... Yeah, and and they have like uh, software as well that lets us like pull a dozen metrics, a dozen plus metrics from things like the counter movement jump, the squat jump, isometric mid thigh pull, and the hop test. And like I said, we our HP department runs a really tight ship, gets everyone through the same kind of evenly calibrated assessment. We collect all the force play data and we retest in, on general every six weeks. So kind of lines up with our mocap assessment. And two of the bigger models we've been working on are linking the mocap below to force play metrics and the uh, top eighth bat speed around a two week buffer around the assessments, so like one week before, one week after. Oh, interesting. Of, of, uh, so, 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 bear real, with me. Real so, quick, what's the number of uh, like swings in that two week span usually? Top uh, for bass speed? Yeah. Um, Is that, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that's amount. why it's two weeks, right? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a pretty good amount. Again, we're looking at top eighth, but it can be as much as like 100 plus swings in each of the weeks. Okay, okay. So. So and, and blast consolidates quickly. It's more to it's more to like the reason the windows are large is to catch like people that are like okay a week and a half before mm. or sorry like almost a full week before they got in like one session or something gotcha. and then maybe you're like out of the gym the rest of the week. But yeah, so we have we have we have kind of four models, four models mainly from the HP metric side of things. So we have one at predicts mocap velo, one at predicts bat speed. So we can kind of look like when an athlete comes on and they assess. And we compare like their like HP predicted velo to their actual mocap velo. We can kind of like adjust programming that way based on mm -hmm. like the research we we've done in the HP in the HP department and like what our HP coaches can kind of gauge uh, based off again like why is this guy throwing ten miles harder than he is or like than than he projects to be probably because you know his like uh, RSI modified is really low and that's because whatever so that's that can be an area to target and increase improvement um and similarly we also have slightly different models but same general gist a little bit more calibrated for player development how hp metrics on the like from from the first retest on match up with the change in mocap velo and the change in fast speed so uh anthony osnax our our main hp um you know r d analyst is has been like doing most of the work here. I've given feedback and review on a bunch of the models, but we're, we're finally going to be pushing out some stuff for open source this, uh, this week. And honestly, like oh, they, open source, open, like, oh, open source, open source, just talking the, about in the blog, not like putting out like a GitHub repo. Yeah, not a GitHub repo. We, we have, we have, a. am excited about some of the validation stuff we're going to include in there because I wanted to set like a decently high bar for the first like thing we roll out from the HP yeah, side. Yeah. So like, we're talking. We're going to talk about like how we decided how we decided on the metrics to use because, like I said, there's there's quite a ton of stuff generated from force decks. You got to watch out for stuff like multicollinearity. You got to look out for like non normality of residuals, uh, homoscedasticity, uh, homogeneity of variance. I'm I'm telling you, bro. I'm dropping I'm dropping the term so people can get a taste of of what we're trying to like. Caravan's making up words. What what, <laughs> what we're trying to do uh, to kind of like hold hold a higher standard when we talk about predictive modeling in, in a public sense, because I think 
not everyone does this, but I think it's like pretty easy to push out like a piece or a blog or a piece of content and be like, yeah, no, I got a really good uh, model, 2, 2.0, uh, 2.01 uh, mean yeah. absolute error, 0.8 R squared. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. Do we, how, do we, how, many, how many features are being used in that model? Uh, how do we know you're not overfitting? Uh, how, how do we know like what the residuals look like? What, what do the distributions of the predictions yeah. look like versus the distribution of the actual like, you know, ground, ground truth values, like the dependent variable trying to predict, a bunch of that stuff. So um, like that, that's been my influence on the blog, mostly like trying to push, include those validation details and include mm-hmm. those like going forward. So um, yeah, I, I'm pretty excited for that. And I'll, I mean, I'll give a bit of a sneak peek. I don't, I don't know the actual metrics cause like Oz has been tinkering around a little bit uh, back and forth. And like I said, I mentioned like four separate models, but we've gone pretty good convergence with largely multi-linear regression models. We, we messed around some gradient boosted models and stuff. But honestly, the gradient boosted models were overfitting for the most part. And I, I'm happy to roll with a multi-linear regression that has only a handful of dependent variable or independent variables, because I think that's much easier to interpret. And then you look at like, you can look at like effect size for something like squat jump power, squat jump peak power, which by the way, is the variable that ex- explains the most variance in both mm. mocap velo yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and bass speed, I believe, um, which makes sense if you just think about it from like a pure, like four generation point of view. Yeah. But and, like, and like size and size mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Um, oh, so we yeah. have, yeah. So, so we have like, yeah, we'll have effect sizes for our independent variable. And we have like high H weights, a, a few other like things incorporated to kind of suss out like, you know, like what variance there is explained by the height and weight. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's really cool. I think I like how, um, I mean, I'll tease it. It's like, also similar to the idea of like if somebody has a kind of flipping range of motion and movement assessments uh around the idea of like does somebody have instead of doing like an assessment saying this guy has this passive range of motion that's it's like programming this way mm-hmm. like doing it backwards being like he has this amount of range of motion in his actual skilled like technique if that's whatever deficient like okay let's see what he's got on the table what's it mm-hmm. passive and if, yeah. is there something to tweak there and i think that it can be it's like the a similar approach to like are you throwing harder or slower than what you're predicted to based on your strength and power and uh force metrics and if you're throwing slower then what are some other things that we can maybe uh use to account for that and like get you closer to where you should be Yeah, and I just got a bunch of I just got a bunch of uh, I mean, the man just spin out models left and right, but he's got a bunch of stuff like incorporating some biomech metrics, a combination of biomech biomech metrics and HP uh, metrics. I mean, honestly, the the biggest struggle there is just like consolidating all the documentation and stuff because um, c- uh, you know it's easy to kind of just like spit out models or I'm gonna make this better, like move on. You know, like how did you make it better? What did, what changed? Is that like sustainable? Did that overfit on like a particular data set? There's so enough. many measurements. Yeah. There's so yeah. many measurements that we can include. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting too. Uh, I mean, it'd be pretty cool with all the models that we have this summer, um, just with the training data that we're gonna like, just be able to see yeah. like we'll live, retest you know? Completely. Yeah, with just data. like, yeah, that's gonna be fucking tight. I mean, just looking at the, assessment to six weeks and 12 week retest comparisons that we're going to be able to do this summer. Um, 
using all the models. I mean, even just uh, the bucket stuff and mm -hmm. the predictive velo models there, athlete composite scores, all that is really exciting. And the quality of interns with that kind of background is just, I mean, I feel like we're going to be able to iterate on that stuff um, pretty well. Like the whole time you we were talking, I was like, dang, you got to, you should have, you should honestly have Ramos uh, scope the blog. Yeah. Um, because those are those are right in line with uh, stuff that he was talking to me about the other day. Stuff he'd like to get interested on, and he can also probably just break all of our lifting records. <laughs> he can also probably just like mess up all the models yeah. in the wrong way because he'd yeah. put up insane yeah. strength numbers and be interesting to see what his actual like top eight EV. Yeah. And I don't even know if he's like it ever. I wonder how much he throws. I was going to say, I know he like, uh, were you telling me that he hit like a, he almost broke the in-house isometric method pole? Yeah, pole? I think he, I think he, uh, yeah. But he, he said he found a hack for it. He's like, I just exploited it. And it took him, took him two seconds to exploit it. He was like using, uh, using his knees a bit or something. Like you can like put your push the bar against your ties kind of a thing. And that's gonna be our one of our new questions we include on the next uh, <laughs> next Go through form. the assessment process yeah. and how, tell how, us how everything you that you yeah, do how differently. Do you hack it? Uh, yeah, identify all the things that you can exploit. That's tight. Fire. Nice. Do you want to get into the the ball ball ops? Sure. Um, I don't have a ton of stuff for for this section. I, I think I'm gonna start. I mean, this is easy to say now before. I like don't uphold to it, but I think I'm gonna start trying to put out more, uh, almost even daily like sabermetric tweets or something using our RDB because it's so powered up. And you know, you know, shout out to Christian Hug again. He's done like a great job maintaining data integrity as we transition from 2020 to 2021. You don't um, like being uh, having lower followers than me. What's up? You don't like having less followers. Do than do, me? do I right now? That's actually why we're going on the podcast break so that uh, Caravan can dedicate. Any additional hours to because you know i've i have not been trying for a while bro and <laughs> neither have i neither have i bro um but yeah I, I mean i mean yeah so a i'm gonna start putting out i'm trying to put out a lot more like uh regular sabermetric content just because i mean man like right now i think this will change in, in like the next couple months but i think we have like an opportunity to really leverage our stack sdb and dan's on a split deal uh, a couple other people in our baseball operations departments <laughs> are on a split deal. So it's like, they're not really encouraged to tweet. I, I, ideally, I wouldn't really be like the person tweeting out a bunch, but mm -hmm. I'm down on shoulder to Brent at least for a little bit. Just, and, and I mean, I, I think that stuff's fun. I, mm -hmm. I, I like for people that like interact with some of my stuff on Twitter and especially for the people that interact with some of my stuff on Twitter and I don't get back to them. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just have like so, so much stuff, especially in the last couple of months. Like so, so much like non-work related stuff pop up as well, but I, I really do like interacting with, with stuff on Twitter. It's just like, I go through phases where like, I'll barely check it, yeah. you know, I'll respond to like an important DM. Uh, and other times I'm just like commenting on Twitter threads, trying to like get convos going. So I'm looking to get yeah. back more into ladder in the next couple of weeks. But uh, I, I kind of threw out something last week after to, to give to give the Therm episode a shout out, looked at max EV versus average EV or max EV average EV and uh, average ex-woba from 2021 to 2020 yeah. for like certain hitters that have already hit a ball harder than did in all of 2020. And uh, yeah, I mean, one, I actually didn't realize 
again, because I hadn't been on, on Twitter that much, I didn't realize a lot of people were talking about this, or a lot more people than I thought were talking about this. But the, uh, yeah, the, the, the ball, we've, we've had quite a, we've had an interesting distribution of uh, exit velocities so far early in the season. Like a mm-hmm. lot of people have already hit a ball harder. Like I said, um, during, the, during spring training, we had more home run rates per FB than ever, more home run rates per like balls in play. Um, there was like talks of an old ball, like old MLB balls and new MLB balls because MLB was trying to push out a ball of uh, more drag mm-hmm. um, to kind of like limit home runs essentially. Yeah. More, more air resistance, but there's like two distributions of the drag coefficient and like drag increased as this as spring training went on, so maybe it was like a, 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 a you know a version of like the old ball kind of initially being phased in, and then a new ball getting phased in more consistently over spring training. But but point being, I, I think like I said, I, I haven't I, I still need to do more research on this, but there there have definitely been some interesting oddities in uh, EV distribution specifically, mm-hmm. and I think I I I would probably guess we're gonna see another home run uh explosion we're, we're gonna see like 2021 oh, really? like you know one up like whatever like the, probably last season whatever the highest like home run fb ratio was in the last yeah. like couple decades and honestly probably probably just increasing uh tt or uh yeah like the the three true outcomes yeah i think yeah. k's are gonna keep going up home runs are gonna keep going up uh walks will likely keep going up as well yeah What's your what's your yeah. best guess on whether or not that's going to like change? Do you think that trend is ever gonna like come back without like significant intervention? The big three outcomes. I think there, but in theory, there should have been a significant intervention, and maybe maybe you know there could be a little bit of tracking technology stabilization from from Hawkeye early on. I, I think there've already been I've already seen a couple of tweets to people talking about how like the EV distribution seemed to be normalizing a little bit more as a as the season like progresses. Um, but I mean, MLB 100% tried, you know, scaling that back. And I think if it doesn't work, I think it'll probably try again, just because mm. there's a very large batch of fans that like, don't like, you know, an increase in three true outcomes. And, and, and by the way, like I, I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of trying to game whatever advantages you can within the rules. But also like, I to- also totally understand the aversion to, three true outcomes just rising consistently. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 would, I, would, I would, I'd probably be a fan of like it being scaled back a little bit. And or like definitely don't want, I, I'm definitely not looking for, I want to see even more combined Ks, walks and home runs because I yeah. think I think there is a large part of the, like a large part of the game being lost a little bit. And I mean, defense, man. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah the and, and there's almost like, from an academic point of view, there's almost like less opportunities, right? It's like, yeah. we, we, could, we, could, we could sit here and, and, and talk about a cool defensive model, something that like recommends shifts, something that like recommends like uh, platoons, uh, you know, defensive replacements at a certain inning. Like, that, that, that's, that's an interesting conversation to have. Yeah. If everyone's just homering, striking out, or walking, yeah. then why does it matter? It's going to eliminate like position specificness too. Like you're just going to. I mean, a lot of teams already do this, but they Field just the they just get the biggest bats possible, and yeah. they're like, "You're a left fielder now, or you're a you're a second baseman, yeah. and today you're going to be a first baseman." And, and, and the one thing that actually really made me appreciate good defense also is I saw um, the pseudo driveline softball team this Sunday. Oh, nice! With uh, our physical ther- uh, therapist Terry Phillips, his wife, 
and Melanie and Janine. Um, and a former two of our, two of our two of our six female <laughs> employees at Trivia. That's a huge. Uh, but uh, dude. They won like thirty to seven. Wow! Because uh, you're saying as a defense, as driveline. I mean, I mean, defense was tough on both ends. <laughs> much, much tougher on the team they were facing. Okay. But it was crazy, man. I actually really want to play in uh, in a softball league because I've be always been. I, I just don't want to like. I'm fine with embarrassing myself. I just don't want other people to be mad to think that yeah. I'm really good uh, yeah. at softball and then me come in and like not be able to field anything without whatever. Again, I, I, it's easy to talk when you're watching a game. But I was watching that game and I was thinking. Probably play at this level. <laughs> I get back on the basketball court too, dude. If you hit a if you hit a grounder, if you hit a weak grounder to third, these are six feet base bat, uh, base bats as well. Yeah. If you can hit a weak grounder to third and uh, got decent speed, base hit. But like, can but can you can you hit a weak grounder? I think I think I think against those pitches, yeah. But you're saying as might a have to, uh, might have to get you some time in the lab. I might pitch. have to see. Get me some time. I mean, a lot of a lot of it was, uh, bro. People were hitting, were swinging the bat like this, chopping vertically down. Like this is this is the angle, and some of those hits were like doubles. I've definitely seen. I feel like the last time we were, we were messing around and hitting and stuff, I've definitely seen you not make contact a couple swings in a row off the tee. But were we pitching on a softball? Softball's a little bit bigger. I know, but I'm saying that it's moving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's go to the episode right here. <laughs> yeah, I think the, uh, the required improvement, I think, is going to be pretty easy for you. That'll be the update. That Updates after the break. Uh, Caravan's improvement in softball and is the ball dead or hot? Yeah, that's right. Baseball. Episode 61's and, and, come. And, and last thing I'll say on that, I was trying to smoke a ball off the tee. Like I said, here I just need to make weak, weak make contact. contact. Yes, that's and, and true. And smoke, smoke relative for me. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was trying to hit a ball 115. <laughs> I didn't. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I 115 didn't hit feet. It. 115 feet. 61 episode 61 shaping up to be a banger. Wait, 61? Yeah, I said 60. No, this is Today episode is 60. 60. Okay. When we come back, okay, be 61. Okay. All right. That's it. Thanks everybody. See you in a see you in a few weeks. We'll post more deets on when we come out of our hibernation. <laughs> yeah, summer, oh. spring hibernation. I mean, we'll come back right away if uh, I smoke a ball. 20, 20 driveline certs get purchased with oh, the yeah, uh, yeah. code podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. code if, podcast. If we'll come back, we'll come back right away. Edu.drivelinebaseball.com. Oh, if we're setting a realistic goal, I mean, get it in the du- 10, 10 purchase between now and Monday. Podcast oh. ain't going nowhere. And my clothes will be going somewhere. So if you want to oh see that, then definitely. God. Well, definitely. you just, you just, well, now people, God dang it. The, the, now right, nobody's buying X, X amount of people that bought the shirt are requesting their money back. All right. We'll see you guys. We're going to buy us nachos. Peace out. Peace. <laughs>